0: So after Rochester, what do you think of Swift? Grosser or less gross? (laughs) Both? Neither? Well, he's less sexual. Yeah. So is that good or bad? (laughs) 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 Who's easier to read? I think Rochester is easier read Rochester is easier to read. who do you um, more feel like calling up a friend and saying you're not gonna believe what we had to read tonight? Mm-hmm. It's okay, you don't know. You can you can just say I would never call up a friend to talk about reading. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Swift is a hard case. Did have you guys read um how many of you have read some of his prose? So what have you read? Um Oh okay. For today or you've read it before you um, mean? No, I read it for today. Oh okay. Um, and no one's read Gulliver's Travels or I've read excerpts. Yeah. Okay. Read to the rich versions. Yeah, they're they're a little bit different. <laughs> um, okay, well and who else has read a modest proposal? Just okay. Uh, they used to do it in um, first year English a lot. Um, but I guess now not so much. Do you never teach it, Tina? In high school. Okay. Um, So, do people know what a modest proposal is? It's become, now the phrase has become a a sort of uh, saying in the English language for um, making an utterly outrageous suggestion, but the idea of this utterly outrageous suggestion is, but what the other guys are suggesting is even worse than that. Yes. Yeah that there's famine in Ireland. And one reason is that there's overpopulation in Ireland. He's in Ireland when he writes this. Um, And we can kill two birds with one stone um, with baby farms. Uh, Without that, you wouldn't get the matrix. so okay, so just to say a little bit about Swift, you should read the biographical headnote in the um, Oxford Anthology, which is I think very good and very well done. Um, Swift took as his motto and was known for, um, sav- for in Latin, what translates from Latin is "savage indignation," um, and indignation is essentially his most um, important and consistent uh, political and um, moral attitude towards how the world is. And the indignation is indignation um, about, sort of like Rochester, about how people treat each other. Um, Swift was himself a pretty messed up person um, and got more messed up. And he writes about being messed up um, in a lot of his poetry. Um, and in a lot of his prose, but what he's essentially stunned by is um, how vicious people are, or what, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it, what might be a better way of putting it is to say what he thinks it's important to be stunned by, um, to stay stunned by, to, um, you know, those bumper stickers, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Um, So Swift thinks he should continue to pay attention, and that paying attention is really important um, because otherwise people won't be outraged at the outrageous. And the outrageous is, um, is people's behavior. Swift is often called a misanthropist. Um, and it's, um, there's a famous line of his that he was accused of, um, of hating people um, and, and of hating everyone. And um, he says, no, um, it's Tom, Dick, and Harry, excuse me, it's, it's um, mankind that he hates. But Tom, Dick, and Harry are all people that he loves. Um, so what he hates are human beings in the, um, as a group. The way way human beings behave as a species, as a population, as a society, or set of societies. Um, But individual human beings um, always are open to his pity, always open to his tenderness, or to his care, or to his um, empathy or sympathy. It's how humans treat each other. Again, you should think of this as a kind of Hobbesian, with a kind of Hobbesian background. That humans, as a species, are vicious and murderous and violent, um, and every individual human has to um, deal with the fact that each of us is surrounded by a species that's murderous and vicious and violent, violent. Um, and um, actually, I might get there's. It may be that I'm getting wrong whether it's Tom, Dick, and Harry and mankind. Um, it doesn't matter, but the reason I might be getting it wrong is because um, Peanuts, Linus says the opposite thing in a Peanuts cartoon, and I always confuse them. Um, there's one point where where um, someone says to Linus, why do you hate, I guess it's they say, why do you hate all these people? And Linus says, no, I like these people. It's mankind I can't stand. So for, with Swift, it was the other way around. Um, but it means the same thing, that that is that... that Individual people are always behaving viciously, you could say, um, even though human beings should be treated decently. It comes to the same thing. It doesn't really matter um, which, which one he loves and which one he hates. Um, the point is the contrast between the way humans will act if you look at them one way um, and how who they will act in that way towards. Um, so, Humans are um, really working hard just to get along, um, and the reason they have to work so hard is that humans are so vicious and evil to each other. Um, This is a little bit like what Rochester says in the satire against mankind um, when he talks about how fear is the driving force, that everyone is afraid of everyone else and everyone gives everyone else reason to be afraid out of their own fear, that mutual fear is the, um, is, is the default experience in the world. So a place to look at that um, and a place to um, see Swift in a somewhat typical mode, um, and there is a somewhat typical mode in Swift, um, is in the poem called A Beautiful Young Nymph Going to Bed, which is pretty disgusting if you remember it. Um, It's page 20 of the Lonsdale. Um, And the title, of course, is as viciously ironic as you can imagine, at least the first part of the title, A Beautiful Young Nymph. Um, Whatever she is, she's not going to strike you as a beautiful young nymph when you read the poem. Um, But it's worth reading Actually, I'm thinking maybe we should we should uh, we should start with a more obvious one, um, which is where did it go? In oh, you have different page numbers here anyhow, so it doesn't matter. Um, but in the Oxford, it's um, no, you have different page numbers. Cassinus um, um, and Peter, the Tragical Elegy. which is about the two college students, one of whom is down in the dumps on the second floor. Um, Worth reading because it gives you a sense of Swift's good humor and his manic humor and um, the sort of thing that he's always in one way or another thinking about and the complex way that he's thinking about it. So um, can someone quickly plot summarize it? Do you remember it? At all, it's got one of the most famous last lines of any poem in English. No one forgets this last line after they've read it. So we're behind in our reading, are we? Is this what is this what one gathers? Okay. Um, well, let's read it then. Uh, no, it's too long to read now. I think. Um, yeah, all right, let's go back then to, to um, A Beautiful Young Nymph Going to Bed. Do you remember that one? Did you read that one? So people read the Oxford, bef- the, um, the Oxford book of 18th century verse before the Oxford anthology, is that? OK. Um, all right, well, do read the other poems for, um, for Tuesday. Um, so A Beautiful Young Nymph Going to Bed. Karina, um, pride of Drury Lane. What's Drury Lane? <laughs> yes, good. Um, Tina? The theater district. and therefore, in the 18th century, a um, well, a little bit like Times Square um, uh, 30 years ago, um, a place of ill repute um, where actors and, and entertainers and beggars and the like hang out. Karina, pride of Drury Lane, for whom no shepherd sighs in vain, um, what does that line mean, George? Anyone can have her. Yeah. Um, sigh for Karina, and you're in, you're in luck. Um, it's also that it's also there's also the implication here that no shepherd, which is it's it's actually an interesting thing that Swift does, which is that the slightly more obvious reading is no shepherd is interested in her. Um, and then you say, oh, no, I get it. It's plenty of shepherds are interested in her, but they don't sigh in vain. But then it turns out that the more obvious reading might actually be the right reading. That is, there is no shepherd sighing for her, whether in vain or not. So Carina, pride of Drury Lane, for whom no shepherd sighs in vain. Never did Covent garden boast so bright a battered strolling toast. No drunken rake to pick her up. No cellar where on tick to sup. So she's had a bad night. Mm-hmm. Um, returning at the midnight hour, four stories climbing to her bower. Then, seated on a three-legged chair, takes off her artificial hair. Mm-hmm. So she lives in a fourth-floor walk-up. Um, and uh, no one has, um, not even a drunken rake has tried to pick her up. Um, she hasn't been even taken to some cellar to eat um, He eats some mush. Um, It's midnight. She's alone. Um, She goes up, and she sits on a stool, which is all that she has, on a three-legged chair. And so what does she do? She takes off her artificial hair. Okay. Now, picking out a crystal eye, she wipes it clean and lays it by. So uh, she's bald and one-eyed. Her eyebrows from a mouse's hide stuck on with art on either side, pulls off with care. So what are her eyebrows made of? Mouse hair. Yeah, mouse hair. She, her eye, she doesn't have her own eyebrows. So they're, not only does she have fa- a false artificial hair on her head, but her eyebrows are made of um, mouse pelt, um, mouse hide. So she pulls up, them off with care and first displays them, then in a playbook, smoothly lays them. So what she the book that she owns and that she keeps her stuff in is a play which also makes her a somewhat disreputable person. That's the reading that she does, not the Bible. Now dexterously, her plumpers draws that serve to fill her hollow jaws. So she has some kind of, do you know what plumpers are? Yeah, and it's partly that she's lost a lot of teeth, so her face is caved in. So it's a kind of um, cottony um, uh, um, material to put in your mouth so, you, so people can't see that your face is all caved in with, um, with, with your lost teeth. That's something we don't see much anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, even in old people. Um, in first world countries, old people tend to have teeth or um, because of fluoridation unless they come from Springfield, in which case they have dentures. Um, So so now dexterously her plumpers draws that serve to fill her hollow jaws, untwists a wire, and from her gums a set of teeth completely comes, pulls out the rags contrived to prop her flabby dugs, and down they drop. Proceeding on, the lovely goddess unlaces next her steel-ribbed bodice, which by the operator's skill press down, the lumps, the hollows fill. Up goes her hand, that is the wires, um, press down lumps and fill up hollows so she has a better figure. Up goes her hand and off she slips the bolsters that supply her hips. So she's extremely scrawny um, and, and she's got various um, pillows um, uh, belted round her with gentlest touch she next explores her chancre's issues, running sores. Um, so now that she's naked, she checks out all the pustulence and pus that are coming out of her bo- that's coming out of her body. See, hard to read. This is what makes it harder than Rochester. All Rochester talks about is frigging in a pigsty. Um, <laughs> so much easier. Um, issues means what? Yeah. It's basically pus. Um, the reason I'm asking is because the because the word comes back, um, effects of many a sad disaster, and then to each applies a plaster. So lots of bad things have happened to her. Either she's knocked around a lot, or a lot of these are the symptoms of VD. And then to each applies a plaster. What's a plaster mean? A bandage. Yeah, it's um, still used. It's still a um, terminology used in Britain. Um, it actually was plaster at the time. That is, it would be a kind of paste that would dry up. Um, so she's, she's basically... And you still get it in, um, in, uh, when you break your leg. Um, you get a plaster cast. But it's the same sort of thing. Then Teach applies a plaster. But, not, but must, before she goes to bed, rub off the daubs of white and red and smooth the furrows in her front with greasy paper stuck upon punt. So um, all the makeup that's on, she has to rub off, and then um, she tries to get rid of some of the wrinkles in her forehead with some kind of greasy paper. She takes a bolus, what's a bolus, anyone? A big pill, yep. She takes a bolus ere she sleeps, and then between two blankets creeps. um, Notice, by the way, the sleeps creeps rhyme, which we've noticed before and we'll notice again. And then Between Two Blankets Creeps, with pains of love, tormented lies. So um, there you have basically 38 lines of sheer disgustingness. Um, And then you get a line that could be in any idealizing poem, with pains of love, tormented lies. Um, There's a joke in that. What's the joke? Yeah, it's the pains of, of love that she's experiencing. VD, but also probably violent sex with, um, with Johns. Um, so it's both of those. Um, she's suffering for um, the way she makes a living. Um, and so she's literally tormented with the pains of love. Um, what about as, so that, that makes the line a little bit of a parody, right, of a different kind of poem, a kind of poem. It's a parody, again, a little bit like Fair Chloris in a Pigsty Lay. That is, it's a dream. Um, Or it's a kind of poem that would um, be idealizing but isn't. Um, Is it just cruel, that parody here? Is Swift being cruel to her by putting in that line? Just opine. Do you think it's cruel or not? Have an opinion. It's the verb of which opinion is, what you opine is an opinion. Oh. Is it, also like 18th century it is an 18th century word, but it's still in use. Oh. Unlike enthuse, which is not a verb and should never be used as one. Like, I'm all enthused? No. <laughs> You're not, because there's no such word. <laughs> so, have an opinion. Mean or nice? Nice. Honest, okay. Uh, mean or nice, to be honest? <laughs> I think he's being more cool than little but then his descriptions of her are very um, unpleasant, and I guess you can kind of feel sorry for her, but I also feel like he's poking more fun than trying to... Make okay. Were you Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's cool not because of the line itself but because there's disgusting before and after, and also reading through the lens of, like, the way he's dressing right, and how he just describes living in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think it also depends on, like, what kind of... If he... Um, approved of what she does for a living, or... About, like, the he was—he was probably yes. the the um, sexually weirdest person that we're reading um, in this class. Uh, that, it, or he had the most. Um, uh, was it like he was perverted? Or? Uh, not a word um, that would quite apply. Uh, although a lot of people would say so but no, he was sexually extremely anxious 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 Sex was never straightforward for him (laughs) No um, No He uh, he was attracted to people that he also thought he shouldn't be attracted to Like very young girls um, Who were attracted back to him um, he, it's, d- don't think Lewis Carroll he, he, it's No, it's actually not quite clear um, but whatever went on was very weird but Stella was um, so you've read, you've read four of the Stella or you quote read, unquote you will have read four, I think four birthday poems to Stella and Stella was sort of the great and public love of his life um, he knew her, he was her teacher, and he knew her since she was eight years old. Um, and they and it's not really clear when they got together, um, but he is I think what is he 15 years older than she is. Um, and then um, while he and Stella were, um, I mean he he and, he was he and Stella were together till she died. Whatever together means. Um, Some people thought they had a secret marriage, but no one knows. Um, But while that was happening, he also met um, someone uh, he called Vanessa, um, who was um, younger still, seven years younger than Stella. And she apparently was, um, I mean, they had some bizarre and fairly long-term relationship um, that he didn't tell Stella about, and he tried to keep them apart. He worked really hard to keep them apart. Um, And I don't think Stella ever found out about it. But um, she wanted a lot more than he was willing to give. Um, And he kept journals about all these things and also wrote letters. And it's not quite clear what his relation to Vanessa was. But um, he would always talk in his letters and journals to her about going to have coffee with her. And um, actually, our good friend, um, Horace Walpole, Thinks that when they said they were when he said they were having coffee, that was just code for having sex. He did a lot of writing in code, to both of them. In not very hard to break code. Um, so did Samuel Pepys, for that matter. Um, so, but she wanted a lot more than he was willing to give. Um, but there's, he did have, he did as the master in *Turn of the Screw* is said to. To do, he did like them young and pretty, Um, and that's quotation. Um, And it tormented him. Um, And how young is not clear, Um, but certainly young. Eight years old. Well, no, that seems very unlikely. Um, There's, there's, I mean, there's other weird stuff that might be going on also. Um, James Joyce was very James Joyce, the Irish writer, was very interested in Swift. Um, the Irish writer, um, and the Irish writer who was, who was Protestant and Joyce had an ambivalent view of him, but Joyce was interested in any great Irish writer of whom there are an enormous number. Um, and the Joyce's last work, Finnegan's Wake, which no one reads, um, is the main character, if you can call him a character, of Finnegan's Wake, um, known Um, by various versions of the initials HCE, sometimes known as Humphrey Chippenden Earwicker, um, sometimes known as Here Comes Everybody, um, is in a lot of ways based on Swift. And to the extent that there's a plot in Finnegan's Wake, a large part of the plot is that um, he's accused of having come on to two young girls in Phoenix Park in Dublin, um, an accusation of which he's probably innocent. Um, but, the, but the two young girls are based on Stella and Vanessa, and there's a lot of quotation from Swift's writing to Stella and Vanessa in Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. So I doubt that helps, <laughs> except to say that it's an object of fascination to Swift's biographers and readers, and, and whenever anything is fascinating that way, it's probably an object of anxiety and um, uncertainty and torment to the person that people are fascinated with. Um, so that's, I think that's probably uh, as much as we can say for sure. So he would disapprove of <sighs> Well, he disapproves of everyone. <laughs> but he's not, he's not a prude. Whatever else he is, he's not a prude. Um, so his disapproval of prostitutes is a disapproval of a world, um, in which prostitution is necessary. Um, it's, it's, he would disapprove of prostitution, but not as, um, a moral failing in a prostitute, but as a moral failing in a world that makes prostitution, um, that forces people into prostitution. and he says that over and over again. Um, that it, but it's not the prostitutes themselves that he disapproves of. Um, although he himself, in a tormented way, tries to lead a moral life. Um, and by his own, in his own views, he fails. At any rate, um, so here she is. She finally crawls into bed. And then she lies tormented by the pains of love. And again, you can say that if you take it literally, or, or as you put it, cruelly because the world is cruel, if you take it literally, um, in a way what it's a take down of is the idea that um, you could be tormented by the pains of love if you're um, an aristocratic person who's just mooning over someone. This is what it really means to be tormented by the pains of love, um, not poetically, but physically. Um so there she is tormented with pains of love, tormented lies, or if she chanced to close her eyes of Bridewell and the Compter dreams, so she dreams of debtor's prison, she dreams of trouble, and feels the lash in her dream, she feels the lash, she feels she's being whipped, and faintly screams, or she dreams of being by a faithless bully drawn at some, she dreams that by a faithless bully drawn, she at some hedge tavern lies in pawn, um, which I think means that um, she's brought to some um, uh, tavern, um, hedge tavern, presumably just some bed in the fields, um, and then just dumped there by the bully who's brought her there. Or to Jamaica, seems transported, alone, and by no planter courted. Uh, you get transported to Jamaica for crime. It's one of the, um, if, if you're convicted of, it, it's if you're a three-time loser, um, well, you all know this from American history. You may suffer transportation to Australia, or to the West Indies, or to Virginia. It happens to Mall Flanders in Defoe's novel, Maul Flanders. She's transported um, to Virginia. Um, and without a happy ending. Um Mal Flanders has a happy ending. She doesn't. Or near fleet ditches, oozy brinks, surrounded with a hundred stinks, belated, seems on watch to lie and snap some cully passing by. So those are her dreams, that at best she'll be by some open sewer um, trying to get a john. Or struck with fear, her fancy runs on watchmen, constables and duns. A dun is what a dun is now. That is, someone who's demanding that you pay a debt, someone who duns you. Um, From whom she meets with frequent rubs, but never from religious clubs whose favor she is sure to find because she pays them all in kind. Karina wakes a dreadful sight, Behold the ruins of the night. So while she's having these horrible dreams, horrible things have been happening in her room. Behold the ruins of the night. A wicked rat her plaster stole. So the bandage that she puts on, a rat has grabbed while she's asleep. Half ate and dragged it to his hole. The crystal eye, alas, was missed. She can't find her eye. She only has one eye to look for it. The crystal eye, alas, was missed. And puss had on her plumpers pissed. So instead of the cat chasing the rat, um, it pisses on her plumpers. (laughs) Yeah, I think you should. Um, How is she going to put those in her mouth now? Full of cat piss, as they are. Um, A pigeon picked her issue peas. So what do you think? Yeah. Okay, you have, the, you have a good expression. Yep. makes Beckett look like <laughs> pure crystal stream. A pigeon picked her issue peas and shock her tresses filled with fleas. So she's got a little dog who's just rolled around in her hair in her artificial hair, and it's now filled with fleas. Um, so there she is, quite a night. Quite a morning. The nymph, though in this mangled plight, must every morn her limbs unite. So this isn't just one night that this happened. This is every morning. She has to pull herself back together out of this. Um, There should be a Family Guy episode about this. The nymph, though in this mangled plight, must every morn her limbs unite. But how shall I describe her arts to recollect or recollect the scattered parts, or show the anguish, toil, and pain of gathering up herself again? The bashful muse will never bear in such a scene to interfere. Karina in the morning, dizzened, who sees will spew, who smells be poisoned. So to show what Carina looks like in the morning, my muse can't tell it because anyone who saw it will puke. Um, Anyone who smells it will be poisoned. Um, But she lives it. And part of, I think, what's pretty amazing about this poem and part of, I mean, a reason um, to think about it is to think um, of how what Swift is doing is sort of putting you in the position of the superior person who's just amazed by the um, viciousness and, um, and elan with which Swift describes Karina. Um, and then he undercuts you. He says, yeah, but look, this is a real person who has to deal with this stuff. It's not just something to laugh at. It's not something to um, set up a webcam to record so that you can make fun of it. Um, this is a real person who is utterly miserable and who has to face this every morning, has to face pulling herself together um, in this utterly horrible life that she leads. And that's, so, so it's very, very hard, um, no matter what your response to this is, it's very hard not to feel um, in some way that you've been caught out, um, as the theorists say, implicated in what's going on here. That, that is, um, and it's partly because Swift himself is not denying his own implication. He's not denying his own powers of entertainment, of, of really um, uh, grotesque and, um, and uh, yucky entertainment. But still, that's what's entertaining about it. And yet just when he's totally into it, um, that's when he reminds you that this is a real person. Um, and that every day she has to make herself look presentable, look normal, look human um, out of all of the out of all these disgusting elements and all of this disgusting background. She somehow has to figure out a way to put it together. Um, and that's what Swift is saying over and over again in um, his grotesque poems. Let's look at the, um, at the one called, um, which I know you haven't read, but the one called um, Sinus and Peter. Um, a tragical elegy. Um, and this is, this is a poem told more or less in a high style, although the joke is the, um, the uh, facts that we learn about these two sophomores, um, even in the more or less high style that it's told in. Two college sophs of Cambridge growth, what's that mean? Yeah. Yeah, or at Harvard. No, of Cambridge. Um, that is two sophomores at Cambridge, yep. Two college sophs of Cambridge growth, both special wits and lovers, both, so they think very well of themselves, conferring as they used to meet on love and books in rapture sweet. And then he just tells you that he's making this up as he goes along Muse, find me names to fix my meter. Cassinus, this, and t'other Peter. So he f- gets good names for them. They fit the meter and they also fit the rhyme. Peter, because it rhymes with. Meter, yeah, good. Um, okay, so now I got my names. Friend Peter de Cassinus goes to chat a while and warm his nose because it's winter, it's cold. Maybe to have a drink also to warm his nose. But such a sight was never seen. The lad lay swallowed up in spleen. Um, so he's his um, the humor of spleen has overcome him. If you know um, Baudelaire's poem Paris spleen. Um, it's about being filled with melancholy. He seemed as just crept out of bed, one greasy stocking round his head. The t'other he sat down to darn with threads of different colored yarn, his beaches torn, exposing wide a ragged shirt and tawny hide. Scorched were his shins, his legs were bare, but well embrowned with dirt and hair. A rug was over his shoulders thrown. A rug for nightgown he had none. So here's a description of Peter, uh, I mean, of Cassinus. He looks miserable. Obviously, he doesn't look nearly as miserable as Carina does in uh, The Beautiful Nymph Going to Bed. Um, But he looks miserable anyhow, um, and not the way he would look when all dressed up. Um, So again, you're getting Swift going right for the baseline of what people look like. It matters here because despite the fact that this is what he looks like, um, he doesn't believe that women have real bodily experience. That's what this poem is about. Um, Men do, and they manage to get it together and um, go to the dining halls and look like they they are together. Um, But he doesn't realize that women do also. So he's looking miserable. Um, he doesn't have a nightgown. He's got a rug over his shoulders. His Jordan stood in manner fitting, or the way Swift, you should always read Swift in that sort of cockney drop the G um, to get the rhyme. Um, his Jordan stood. It's not actually cockney. It's upper class um, and standard at the time um, that it would be that you would pronounce fitting as fittin'. Um, his Jordan stood in manner fitting between his legs to spew or spit in. Um, so what's a Jordan. The footnote tells you, yeah. Did people know that, that that's what a Jordan meant? Um, not a word you've heard before except, uh, when applied to chamber pot. OK. It's still used in England. Um, so he's got his chamber pot um, between his legs. Um, it's very it's a proper place to put it because he can spit or puke in the chamber pot very easily. Um, his Jordan stood in manner fitting between his legs to spew or spit in. Um, his ancient pipe in sable dyed and half unsmoked lay by his side. So he's got an old black pipe, but he's not um, really smoking it. Him thus accoutred, Peter found with eyes in smoke and weeping drowned the leavings of his last night's pot on embers placed to drink it hot. So he has his um, um, drink from last night now warming up. And Peter says to him, Why, Cassie, thou wilt doze thy pate. What makes thee lie abed so late? The finch, and now we get something which is typical pastoral poetry or lyrical poetry or love poetry. The finch, the linnet, and the thrush, their matins chant in every bush. And I have heard thee oft salute Aurora with thy early flute. Heaven send, thou'st not got the hypes. How? Not a word come from thy lips. So, You used to be up early and just a happy, happy shepherd boy, but now you look really, really sick. What's going on? Then gave him some familiar thumps, a college joke to cure the dumps. So, yeah, that's what young men do, is they kind of um, give each other playful cuffs, a college joke to cure the dumps. The swain at last, with grief oppressed, cried, Celia, thrice, and sighed. The rest. So we're going to find out what it is that he doesn't say here. Um, this line again is a line that you wouldn't really notice until you finish the poem. But what he cried was Celia, 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 <sighs> and he doesn't finish the line. Um, but he cries Celia thrice, and sighed the rest. Dear Cassie, says Peter, though to ask I dread, yet ask I must. Is Celia dead? And he replies, oh, if only. How happy I were that the worst, but I was fated to be cursed. Come, says Peter, tell us, has she played the whore? Oh, Peter, would it were no more, if only she'd been a whore. That would be fine. Why, play confound her sandy locks. Say, has the small or greater pox sunk down her nose or seamed her face? Be easy, Tis a common case. So does she have smallpox? Is that the problem? Or does she have greater pox, that is syphilis? Is that the problem? Um, is she disfigured by these diseases? Is that why you're upset? Um, more than a whore and not dead, and you wish that she were only a whore or that she was dead? So what's going on? It happens all the time. Don't worry about that. And then Cassinus um, says very thoughtfully, oh, Peter... Beauty's but a varnish which time and accidents will tarnish. Um, Beauty's only skin deep. Beauty doesn't really matter. Um, Swift is going to say that seriously in some of his um, poems to to Stella. That is, those poems are about how they're both aging. Um, The birthday poems are always um, the poems about um, getting older, but how that's okay. Um, and even if it isn't okay, it's okay. But here, what we get is um, someone whose opinion on these matters is maybe not so reliable, saying, oh, Peter, beauty's but a varnish, which time and accidents will tarnish, but Celia has contrived to blast those beauties that might ever last. So what are the beauties that might last forever? Say it again. Grace, goodness of heart, um, inner, um, inner purity, something like that. But she's managed to blast those. Nor can imagination guess, nor eloquence divine. Express how that ungrateful, charming maid my purest passion has betrayed conceive the most envenomed dart to pierce an injured lover's heart. So think of the worst thing that could happen to an injured lover. So... Peter's getting pretty PO'd um, at whatever it was that Celia did that made Cassinus so unhappy and replies, why hang her, though she seemed so coy? I know, she loves the barber's boy. So she's being untrue to him and is in love with someone beneath her station. Friend Peter, says Cassinus, that would be fine. This I could excuse, for every nymph has leave to choose. So that's, that's actually pretty um, righteous on his part. It's her choice whom she loves. Friend Peter, this I could excuse for every nymph has leave to choose, nor have I reason to complain. She loves a more deserving swain, so if that were true, he would deserve it. But oh, how ill hast thou divined a crime that shocks all humankind. You haven't figured out what the thing is. Notice this poem's turning into a riddle. Um, that is, what can Celia have done that makes Cassina so upset that Peter is unable to guess? Peter is guessing and guessing and guessing, and all the horrible things he guesses at, um, none of them are true. She's, she's dead? No. She's a whore? No. She has smallpox or syphilis. No, she's in love with someone else who's beneath you, but she loves him more than you. No, that would be fine. It's not that. Um, still, she's completely poisoned my life and destroyed my purest passion. Um, it's a riddle. So, um, no, you have ill divine. Divine, by the way, um, you're taking French. What does it mean? In, to guess. To guess, yeah. Um, it, and in particular, to guess riddles. Um, so, You've ill-guessed, you haven't guessed this riddle. You have ill-divined a crime that shocks all humankind. A deed unknown to female race, which what we're going to find out is, well, actually he doesn't seem to know a lot about women. Um, A deed unknown to female race. um, In which the sun should hide his face. Advice in vain you would apply, then leave me to despair and die. Um, That's those words, despair and die, are from, um, it's, it's a little joke Swift is having, they're from Shakespeare's Richard III. Um, that's how Richard is cursed by the people that he's murdered in the course of the play before the battle, before the final battle um, at which he will die. Um, the, their ghosts come to him and they say to him, despair and die. So he's going to despair and die. Yet kind Arcadians on my urn, these elegies and sonnets burn. And on the marble grave, these rhymes a monument to after time. So put this on my grave. He says, here are my elegies and sonnets. He's got a pile of papers. He says, burn these on my um, urn and then, but put these rhymes on my grave. Here's what should be on his grave. Here Cassie lies by Celia slain and dying never told his pain. So now he says, no, I'm going to die without telling you this horrible thing because I'm so noble and courageous and I will protect Celia from the thing that's worse than anything you've described so far, but I will never say it. Vain empty world, farewell, but hark, the loud Cerberian triple bark. So now he's having visions and he thinks he sees the hound Cerberus, the hound of hell with its three heads and therefore its three barks. But hark, the loud Cerberian triple bark, and there behold Electos stand, a whip of scorpions in her hand. That is one of the furies who will torment him when he dies. Lo, Sharon from his leaky, wary, beckoning to waft me o'er the ferry. So who's Sharon? The guide over the river Styx. Yeah, the ferryman over the river Styx. Um, and there he is bidding me um, onto his ferry to go into the land of the dead. I come, I come Medusa see her serpents hiss direct at me begone unhand me hellish fry a vaunt he cannot say to I." So now again, he's just kind of crazily um, channeling Shakespeare, in this case Macbeth. Um, the footnote tells you what it's from. Um, but he's just losing his mind. And um, Peter intervenes. Dear Cassie, thou must purge and bleed. You need medical treatment. I fear thou will be mad indeed. But now by friendship's sacred laws I hear conjure thee. Tell the cause, and Celia's horrid fact relate. Thy friend would gladly share thy fate. I need to know it's terrible for you to keep it to yourself, and um, now by friendship, you've got to tell me what's bothering you, um, what's causing you to be ready to die like this. And um, Cassinus agrees. To force it out, my heart must rend. If I have to say it, it's going to break my heart yet when conjured by such a friend. Think, Peter, how my soul is racked. These eyes, these eyes beheld the fact. I saw it with my own eyes. Now bend thine ear, since out it must. Um, That line is going to be funny when you know what it is that must out. Now bend thine ear, since out it must. But... When thine ear, but when thou seest me laid in dust, the secret thou shalt ne'er impart, not to the nymph that keeps thy heart. So the woman you're in love with the one woman you're in love with, don't even tell her, even if you trust her more than anything in the world. And even if I'm dead, you can't tell her what I'm gonna tell you. How would her virgin soul bemoan a crime to all her sex unknown? nor whisper to the tattling reeds, the blackest of all female deeds. So here he goes through some Ovidian um, uh, comparisons. It's um, Midas's barber who told the reeds, do people know about this, that Midas had asses ears and that's why the reeds started whispering. It's Ovid's story of why reeds whisper in the wind. It's that they're repeating what, Midas's barber told them that Midas has asses ears, so don't even do that, because it's the blackest of all female deeds. Um, here again, he's already describing the very thing he thinks he's not describing, nor blab it on the lonely rocks where echo sits and listening mocks whats the nymph echo is punished, blah 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 yeah. she could only repeat others' words. Um, there's joke after joke in this. That is, why is Echo sitting on the rocks, and and what's echoing where she sits on the rocks? Well, you'll find out. Nor let the Zephyr's treacherous gale through Cambridge waft the direful tale. Nor to the chattering feathered race discover Celia's foul disgrace. But if you fail, My specter dread attending nightly round your bed. So I will haunt you if you ever tell anyone what I'm about to tell you. And yet I dare confide in you, so take my secret and adieu, nor wonder how I lost my wits. Oh, Celia, Celia, Celia shits. (laughs) So he's discovered that women shit also not only men, Um, a shocking discovery to him. Um, There he is, idealizing her in every way, um, and this is the truth about her. Swift said, one one of Swift's Great Bon is his definition of man, man is the god that shits. Um, That is, um, again, in in a nutshell, or some kind of shell, There you get Swift really, really condensed. The god that shits, that's what we are. Um, And what is really bothering Cassinus is that it turns out goddesses shit too. Um, And he can't believe it. But again, notice how how, um, smart Swift is being here because it's not that, I mean, the joke obviously is that's the answer to the riddle. Um, And of course, it's shocking and of course, it's ridiculous. Um, and combining the shocking and the ridiculous in that way um, is is pretty amazing. But also, just think about it more thoughtfully. The point is that it's not that Cassinus doesn't know about shitting, and it's not that he doesn't know about scatological language. He uses it. Um, It's not that that, um, he's some pure and innocent person, but it's that he still idealizes other people and demands of them that they not be people. Um, And any fictional thing that Celia might be doing, anything he's read about in books, that she's betraying him or that she's got VD or that she's dead, all of those things, fine. He can deal with those. He knows about those from um, literature. He knows about those from poetry. Um, What he can't stand is the fact that she has bodily functions and that those are bodily functions that have nothing to do with him. It also tells you, by the way, that he now knows um, that presumably he spent the night with her. Um, that is that, that um, he knows what a real life is like, at least for more than um, simply seeing someone from afar. Um, he knows that women are real. And this is shocking to him. Um, he's not ready to know that. Um, so again, notice that um, what, what Swift is is about is looking at the difference between um, the the representation or the production of um, of a social presence. Um, where you look well put together and beautiful and in control over the fact that you're a biological being. The fact that you're a biological being doesn't seem to matter. Um, And all the work that has to go into denying the fundamental visceral baseline fact that what you are is a biological being that you are an animal, that you are an organism. Um, so Celia shits, um, Carina has, false, um, has a false eye and false eyebrows and false teeth and um, falsies and false hips and all sorts of other things. Um, but all of that requires an immense effort to pull together into a kind of aesthetic surface. And in a way what Swift is doing, um, this is in a way, um, but in a way what he's doing is he's saying, you know, aesthetic power is something that all people are engaged in or, or, or exercising all the time, that in our social and real life relations with each other, um, everyone has to pull themselves together and make an enormous effort to just appear normal, um, and here um, we can see that Cassinus that himself has not made that effort today. That's why you can see his dirty um, shins, and you can see um, that he's all, um, all slovenly um, and um, not in control of anything, but he can't believe that that's true about Celia either. Um, and of course, Um, the joke this is now if you go back to those lines um, nor whisper to the tattling reeds the blackest of all female deeds Um, so the blackest of all female deeds um, is well she's probably been getting too much iron Um, nor blab it on the lonely rocks where Echo sits and listening mocks so what what is Echo echoing the sounds of among the lonely rocks as she sits there yeah or farting um that is yeah it's it's uh, she shits on the rocks, she makes the same sounds that everyone makes um wherever they're doing number two, he said um, very very, very finely, um, nor let the zephyr's treacherous gale through Cambridge waft the direful tale. How would that happen? The smell, the smell yeah. Um, So all of these high-sounding poetic tropes, which are, it turns out, describing um, this simple biological fact. Um, And so, um, and then, I mean, you can really push this. Swift, um, more than um, Swift's interest in um, younger women, in much younger women, um, is his interest in shit, which you'll find everywhere in his writing. Um, that is interest in the fact and in the repression of the fact that there's shit everywhere. Um, the same thing is true in Rabelais, by the way. Um, that's, uh, it's, there's very little literature about shit, um, and people like Swift and Rabelais are really interested in that fact. Literature has no trouble... Um, you know, people say, "Oh, there's a terrible taboo about incest." That's what makes a story about Oedipus so frightening. Half of literature is about incest in one way or another. Um, incest is is the way to scandalize literature. About incest is a way to write something scandalous without it actually being that scandalous. Oh, incest, how scandalous! Um, but Swift is actually able to write about stuff that um, will disgust people and make it hard for people to read 250 years later. Um, Did you guys read description? um, The, uh, I think it's in, is it not in this? I thought it was. Um, Yeah, description of the city, share on page 16 of the um, Lonsdale So again, one of his most famous poems. I think it, there's also a version of it. I think it is in here. I just wanted to say that not all of the Swift, not all of this poetry is um, put together at the same place here. Um, so Swift's poetry in the Oxford, which is what you guys haven't read yet, I'm am, I am a Gathering, um, is from pages uh, 1773 to 1782, um, but then you can also find, you, there's the Baucus and Philemon poem, is both in the Lonsdale and in the Oxford anthology. And I think there's also, I thought, yeah, the urban scene, um, the poems, the description of the morning and a description of a city shower, are also both in the Oxford on, page, on page, uh, pages 2021 20, to 2023. 20, um, that's okay, you can just read them in here. Um, But these poems are in both versions. Um, So did you guys read this? The description of the city shower? Um, It may, you may, a poem like this may make you want to rethink your desire to live in 18th century London. Um, Dr. Johnson very famously said that he who is tired of London is tired of life. Um, But, um, sorry? Samuel Johnson, yes. One of, the, one of his uh, um, famous, uh, famous bon mots. Someone said, oh, he, Boswell said if someone, he's moved to the country, he was tired of London. And Johnson said, that's ridiculous. Um, anyone tired of London is tired of life. Um, yeah, I guess what, um, what the Oxford gives you that, the, that Lonsdale doesn't is um, Swift's subtitle, which is that it's an imitation of Virgil's Georgics. Um, So Virgil, whom everyone loved, I guess I should say this, the age in which Swift and Pope were writing um, came to be known as the Augustan age. Um, Partly Dryden um, um, is writing about Virgil and is comparing what Virgil does on behalf of Augustus with what poets can do on behalf of the rightful king of England. Um, but mainly because it's a time of peace and of the development of, um, of an urban settlement where um, people are able to live together in harmony in cities. That, at least, is the ideal. And so the Augustan Age in England, that's a phrase that you will hear, the Augustan Age, is England modeling itself on the actual Augustan Age when Augustus Caesar, Octavius Augustus Caesar, Was the emperor, was the head of the Roman Empire, Um, the time of universal peace, of poets like Virgil and Horace, and um, of a kind of urbane um, urbanization, um, a belief in um, the possibilities of cities to be civilized places. Um, And this is something that Swift is highly. Um, um, uh, um, skeptical of um, but it's, it's um, what he's um, alluding to so when he says that, this, that a description of the city shower is an imitation of Virgil's Georgics um, what's that, what that's referring to is Virgil's, Virgil's three, three great works are the collection called the Eclogues which are pastoral conversations, the collection called The Georgics, which was Virgil's invention, and which are poems about living on farms, Um, poems about agriculture um, that idealize agriculture. And Virgil has a lot to say about beekeeping and how wonderful beekeeping is there. And then, of course, the Aeneid. So here, what, um, what Dryden, what Swift is doing is imitating the Georgics, but now not talking about living peacefully on a farm, but what rain is like not in the country, not on a farm, but what rain is like in the city. And he's giving you advice, which Virgil does also. Virgil says, you know, you can tell by certain clouds what weather is going to come, and you should um, bring in your um, your your hay then so that it doesn't get all wet. Um, so now, um, Swift is making fun of that by using that kind of language to describe rain in the city. And here it is. Careful observers may foretell the hour by sure prognostics when to dread a shower. So when to worry that it's going to start raining. If you look around carefully, you should be able to tell. What are those prognostics? While rain depends, that is while the rain is hanging over you, um, depending over you, while rain depends the pensive cat gives ore her frolics and pursues her tail no more. So watch the cat and notice that the cat is looking a little bit anxious and no longer playful. Returning home at night, you'll find the sink. Strike your offended sense with double stink. So if it's about to rain, what you'll find are the open sewers running through London. That's what the gutters originally were, were sewers. Um, they stink more than usual um, if it's about to rain. Um, the air is very humid, um, and there's just a whole lot of stinking going on. Um, so the op- an open sewer is just dirty, disgusting water just flowing through an open street? Is that yeah, what yes. Yeah, um, usually it's a, it's, it's a sort of um, a half conduit. It's a big gutter, um, and yeah, it just flows you you want to be careful when you cross the street you 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 have to step over them um, and the way people got rid of their waste was they threw them out their window into the, into the streets where they would go down into the sewer city life was um, not for sissies um, until until underground plumbing was um, installed um, till the sewers were closed up. that was a huge thing Victor hugo in uh, um uh, Lemayez has a fifty-page chapter on the building of the um, Paris sewers, and um, what an extraordinary um, advance that was for humanity. Which is true, it was. Yeah. Um, now there are lots of lots of cities with open sewers still. Um, not in the first world, but it's it's one of the um, criteria for third world cities um, are open sewers. Um, so, but back in the 18th century London and Edinburgh and Dublin and all the um, great cities had open sewers um, so you'll know returning home at night you'll find the sink strike your offended sense with double stink if you be wise then go not far to dine very typical of Swift that after talking about the open sewers and how much they smell um, he gives you a suggestion for a good place to eat um, don't go too far. If you be wise, and go not far to dine. You'll spend in coach hire more than save in wine. It'll cost you more to get there than you'll save money by going to that cheap place. A coming shower, you're shooting corns per sage. So you can feel it in the corns on your feet. So once again, we get body disgust. You know, you think, oh, a nice poem about a nice rain shower. Um, not so much. So you'll know from the pain in your bunions and your corns. Um, a coming shower, you're shooting corns per sage. Old aches throb. Your hollow tooth will rage. Um, so you're going to get um, terrible toothache and, and um, all your arthritis will hurt. Um, sauntering in coffeehouse is dullman scene Um, He damns the climate and complains of spleen. So what you're going to find also, you're going to know that it's raining because the boring people in the coffee houses are just going to be talking as they always do about um, how terrible the climate is here and how, um, how weak and melancholy he feels. Meanwhile, the south rising with dabbled wings, a sable cloud, athwart the welkin flings. Um, so that's a parody of epic verse um, that is suddenly in the south you see um, black clouds um, um, arising in the sky. That, but those clouds, that sable cloud, which is, which is um, flung athwart the sky, flung athwart the welkin, is a cloud that swilled more liquor than it could contain and like a drunkard gives it up again. So what does that mean? Yeah, so that black cloud is like a cloud that drank too much and is about to puke. Sable is black or brown? Black. Um, It's, uh, if you know the end of the scarlet letter, on a field sable, a lover jewels. So that means on a black field, um, not a lover, an A jewels. Um, That's a Marvell poem. On a field sable, the letter A jewels means on a black background, a scarlet A. So that's um, not quite the last line, like the second to last line of the Scarlet Letter. Yeah, sable is, sable is heraldic, um, is the heraldic terminology for black. Um, so, yes. Uh, so there's this black cloud that swelled more liquor than it can contain, and like a drunkard gives it up again. Brisk Susan whips her linen from the rope, while the first wrestling shower is born a slope. So she quickly gets the linen that's hung out to dry. She takes it in. Such is is that sprinkling which some careless queen flirts on you from her mop, but not so clean. So when you first start feeling the shower, it's like when um, someone is whipping her mop around um, after she's mopped up inside and you get wet by it as you're walking down the street in a city. Someone just splashes you with her wet mop, you know, the kind of thing that happens all the time. So now the shower is coming, and it's just like that, except this rain shower in the city isn't quite as clean as the mop water Um, because the air is so polluted in London. It's going to get more so, but um, already the air is so polluted in London. Um, You fly, invoke the gods, then this is... Um, this is when, when um, you get splashed by some careless queen. You fly, invoke the gods, then turning, stop to rail. She, singing, still whirls on her mop. Not yet the dust. So now the shower is coming. Not yet the dust had shunned the unequal strife, but aided by the wind, fought still for life. So even though the shower is coming, it's still really, really dusty, in the air, you cinders in your eyes, this is what it's like walking through um, London um, just dirt blowing everywhere and the shower isn't strong enough yet to, to lay the dirt to make the dirt fall to wet it and make it fall the reason it always feels so clean after a rain shower um, especially in dusty places is that the dust is settled the dust is laid by the water, but that hasn't happened yet so as the shower is beginning, you see the dust and the rain contending in the air, and the dust is aided by the wind which the shower is bringing and It fights for life, and wafted with its foe by violent gust, t'was doubtful which was rain and which was dust. So you see all this stuff swirling in the air. You don't know which is rain and which is dust. Ah, where must needy poet seek for aid when dust and rain at once his coat invade? So there's Swift himself. Where am I going to go? Dust and rain are both getting into my coat. Where can I go to shelter myself from this horrible weather? Ah, where must needy poets seek for aid when dust and rain and once his coat invade, his only coat, where dust, confused with rain, roughen the nap and leave a mingled stain. So now his coat is getting all stained by this hideous weather. And there aren't even taxis running by to splash him um but it's really yucky but you ain't seen nothing yet Is this from the, this one? um oh why does that have different lines a bit different. what yeah i i seem to remember it was different what are the lines there um he said oh so this one says soul coat cemented by the way yeah that's right um so i'm not sure why there's the difference obviously there were there were two versions maybe two published versions maybe a manuscript versus a published version um but it's more or less the same idea. And nap is a uh, locale or something. No, nap is um, is the is the um, whether the fibers in the coat are lying flat or they're lifted up. And um, to roughen the nap means it's it's like if you if you smooth um, cloth down, your your. Um, you're pressing it with the nap, and if you go the other way, against the grain, as it were, uh, you, make the, you make the individual fibers stand up, um, and that's, that's um, causing, the, that's roughening the nap. It's like a dog down. Yeah, yeah, but you can do that with wool or with, you know, with, with lots of fabric. Um, and so they leave a mingled stain, that is the dust in the water, um, and now it really starts raining. Now in contiguous drops, The flood comes down. Um, Why do you have a note on drops? I don't know. Um, Dabbled Queen. Oh, I see. A deliberate Latinate elevation of diction. Okay. Now, in continuous drops, the flood comes down, threatening with deluge this devoted town. Um, So, the town that's a Miltonism. The town is now to death devote. is uh, what Adam says to Eve, you are now now to death devote. Um, to shop in crowds, the daggled females fly, pretend to cheapen goods, but nothing buy. So it's pouring and all the women go into the shops and they want an excuse for being in the shops so they ask how much is this, how much is this, how much is this, but they're not really interested in buying. They're just trying to get out of the rain. Um, They pretend to cheapen, that is, to try and get a better deal, but nothing by The Templar spruce, while every spout's a brooch, stays till tis fair, yet seems to call a coach. So the lawyer from the temple um, is pretending that he's just waiting for a taxi, but really he's he's out waiting the rain. No one wants to admit that they're taking shelter from the rain and not doing anything with themselves. the tucked-up seamstress walks with hasty strides while streams run down her oiled umbrella sides. Here, various kinds by various fortunes led commence acquaintance underneath a shed. Um, so um, various men and women find themselves under sheds, and some of the women are prostitutes, and some acquaintance commences. Um, and also, Tories and Whigs start talking to each other. That is the two great political parties, um, the Whigs are losing, the Tories are winning, so triumphant Tories and desponding Whigs forget their feuds and join to save their Whigs. Um, pronounced differently in the 18th century, more like quigs and whigs. Um, boxed in a chair, the beau impatient sits, while spouts run clattering o'er the roof by fits. So he's in a, in a carriage which is being carried by people and he's impatient to get out and to move, but all he hears is rain on it. And ever and anon, with frightful din, the leather sounds, um, he trembles from within. So when Troy chairman bore the wooden seed, pregnant with Greeks, impatient to be freed, those bully Greeks who as the moderns do instead of paying chairman run them through, Loaquan struck the outside with his spear and each imprisoned hero quaked for fear. So the bow, the, the rich young man who's being carried around in a chair is waiting for the rain to stop so that he can be carried farther and he's being compared to the Greeks and the Trojan horse who are brought in by the Trojans who are like the servants who carry chairs um, and like them at, in the modern day um, those who are born about in chairs instead of paying those who carry them will treat them badly as the, as the Greeks treated the Trojans um, now, from all parts, the swelling kennels flow, so um, the 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 um, conduits that are supposed to kennel um, that is to keep in check all the disgusting effluvia. They're swelling up. There's effluvia everywhere. From all parts, of swelling kennels flow and bear their trophies with them as they go. So this makes um, Dryden on McFlecknoe look positively chaste. Filth of all hues and odor seem to tell what street they sailed from by their sight and smell. So you see all sorts of disgusting things in the sewers, and you can tell where they came from by the kind of disgust that you find in, in these streams. They, as each torrent drives with rapid force from Smithfield or St. Polkers, shape their course and in huge confluent join at Snow Hill Ridge, fall from the conduit prone to Holborn Bridge. Sweepings from butcher's stalls, dung, guts and blood, drowned puppies, stinking sprats, all drenched in mud, dead cats, and turnip tops come tumbling down the flood. Um, so this is beautiful rainstorm in the city. Um, this is what it's like. Okay, it's all savage indignation. It's all swift describing what life is like and not what poets say life is like. Um, and it's not that he's misanthropic in the sense of He thinks it's great that life is this disgusting. He thinks it's terrible that life is this disgusting. And he thinks it's terrible that so many people have to suffer this. Um, And that's what he wants to call attention to. Okay, so do finish reading The Swift for Tuesday. Um, We'll talk more, including his very, very moving poems to Stella. Um, And uh, that's what we'll do. Have a good weekend old the La Kwan. yeah and you know who he is right